You're listening to the UAE's number one talk radio station. This is Motormania with Damien Reed. Yes, Motormania with you through until midday. I'm Damien Reed and I'm joined in the studio by In the San Giado, Noel Ebden and uh, Chris Milbourne of Debizzle. Now, before we get into the Debizzle stuff, quickly give a teaser for what's coming up in future shows in terms of the the Italian uh, expedition that we did this week with the courtesy of the guys from Emilia Romagna Tourism. And that was a visit to Dallara, Maserati, Lamborghini, Ferrari, Pagani, the Motor Valley Festival. It was sensational. It's all happening right now. Delara, fantastic company. Gianpaolo Delara, 94 years old, still goes to work every day. He worked for Enzo Ferrari, Ferruccio Lamborghini, Maserati, Di Tommaso. Um, had a chat with him. Also had a chat with the new CEO of Maserati, David Grazzo, talking about the Fulgori, which is their EVs that they're coming out. Such great um, names. <laughs> and also got him to talk about the fact that, because they're going full EV, but then again, they might not be. This is an exclusive for us. Uh, he mm. said, we're having discussions with Stellantis right now after I uh, quizzed him on that one. Stick around. That's worth listening to. Uh, Lamborghini. Ferruccio Lamborghini told Enzo that his 250 GDO drove like a tractor. I'm going to build a better one. So he did. He went out and brought out the Mura. Horatio Pagani, similar story. Turned down an offer from Ferrari to design their Formula One cars. And then went to Ferruccio and begged him, saying, I will wash your floors if I can design the final version of the Countach. He did. Um, Pagani cars in the museum there They're now going for between 7 and 17.5 million euro Oof. Crazy stuff um, Did he actually clean the floors? No, he went straight in and did the Countach Excellent. The, the okay, last Countach Good to know uh, So yeah, the, caught up with Massimo Baturo The, the uh, Michelin star chef Who has an incredible collection of Ducati road and track bikes As well as a few classic motor Guzzi's uh, Giacomo Agostini's MV Augusta Troy, Troy Bayless' 955 and other bits and pieces. I can see Noel dropping his <laughs> jaw right now. slightly, yeah. So all that coming up um, in the next couple of weeks. But right now we're talking uh, DeBizzle. And we've got Chris Milbourne in the studio talking about cars, classifieds, and including how to sell your, your car fast on DeBizzle. Yeah, so tell us about... Well, firstly, let's start. How, how are people right now buying cars in the UAE? You know, we checked in with our VAS team, um, and I'm quite surprised by the results because, you know, a car is... I'm not going to say it's an investment unless you're buying something very expensive, something rare, as we've discussed earlier on the show. Um, you would have thought a lot of people go for car mortgages or car loans, as they're also called. Mm. Uh, but uh, interesting enough, we, we looked at the stats through Q1 uh, at the DeBizzle Cars, at DeBizzle Cars, excuse me. Uh, 41% of car buyers took out loans to buy a car. Really? That means 59% of our customers came in and they had cash in hand. Wow. That's, you don't. I, wow, I don't think you'd find that anywhere else. No. Is th- is that because there's a lot of cash floating around, or is it because it's easier to buy in cash? I think you than, might be right. Yeah. It might be easy to bargain as well with cash, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. If you walk in with you know, money in your hand, you can you can get a good deal. We witnessed it ourselves last year. We had uh, a Lamborghini vented, or I can't remember the year it was. Nice gentleman came in, and they actually put the cash down and said, here's the money for it, and like, take it now. Yeah. <laughs> Never seen that much money exchanged hands in a small space before. Was it in like one of those cool briefcases? Oh, yes. I think it, no, I don't think it click, came click. in the, I don't know. I think it actually just came out of his pocket. Uh, well, oh, yeah. Actually, a lot of money, it doesn't look as big as you think it No, it really does doesn't. Does it? Yeah, no. which is a real shame. No. <laughs> There's no money in five dirham notes as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to buy an Aventador with five dirham notes. Be, w- that would be a good story. No, I think it? you should do it with one dirham coins. <laughs> let's do the test. Or, Betty, let's try to go 50 fills uh, instead. 50 fills. I know a guy who paid a uh, 10,000 euro fine to the FIA in one euro coins. 
Yes, I remember that. And it wasn't accepted because they said in the fine print, we don't accept coins. You have to clean it all up. <laughs> oh, no. But anyway, that's another story. Um, so, <laughs> I think so, we've gone off track here so, slightly. So, Chris, uh, car buyers, they're throwing around cash to, to put down, as you're saying, but it's more than just a down payment. Uh, they're, they're buying the car's cash. What about the, the car mortgage route? Is that is that not as popular as other parts of the world then? It's a tough one to say because it seems to be, for me to speak to most people, most people are taking out a car mortgage for their car. Mm. You know, um, As you said, it's uh, quite a lot of money to put down for a car, even if you're looking at something that's fifty to 70,000 dirhams. Not everyone has the expandable budget to put down an amount of cash. So this is quite an interesting statistic, and you always presume it's the other way around. But uh, we've just witnessed something different. And you know, I was speaking to someone this morning, actually. They bought a car from us. But I should have asked him, did you, did you buy it with a loan or did you buy it with cash? And that's probably <laughs> what I should have asked him, shouldn't it? Um, but the other one is uh, crypto. You know. Yes. Uh, crypto yeah. is obviously a big thing. Uh, and now there's a lot of manufacturers that are actually making cars specifically for people who trade in crypto, where they have these, I don't want to say awful designs, just interestingly designed cars. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also get asked this a lot, you know, are there dealers that deal with crypto? And you'd be amazed that... A couple of years ago, there were, but this mm. sort of kind of like died down, not so much. You mm. don't see it too much advertised. I'm quite sure there are a few dealers out there that do still accept crypto. I mean, here at Dubizzle Cars, we don't. It's either cash or bank loan. Um, but uh, crypto is an interesting route because... Are people it, more cautious now? Can uh, they're a bit, a bit more cavalier, say, a year or two ago? I would assume so because crypto is volatile. You know, it mm. fluctuates so rapidly. What happened a couple of months ago when it just dipped. You know, you can imagine you throw down a a Bitcoin for an Aventador and then, you know, a day later it's worth half a Bitcoin. Mm. You know, you've just lost a yeah. massive amount of money on your car, haven't you? You've got to cash Elon it Elon buys Twitter you? overnight yeah. and you lose it all, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but there's also another skew on this one is that um, it, sometimes it can be quite hard to get an auto loan. So some people are getting personal loans and then taking the cash out of the bank and walking mm. in with cash to pay for the car. So there is that side to it as well, especially with older cars because the banks don't like loaning on old cars. Yes, this so, is correct. Yeah. So it's up to, I think it's uh, 2013 nowadays, or well, this year you can finance a car up mm. to. So that's what, 10 years? Mm. And I think the loan tenure would be about uh, 12 months. So that's quite a short duration. You can imagine buying something a little bit more budget-friendly, and like I said before, 50,000 dirhams. But if you're spending like 200,000 dirhams on a car with 12 months of repayment term, those are insane, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. So it's easier, obviously, to get a personal loan. But the thing is, with a personal loan, you've got the higher interest rates. Yes. So compared to a car loan, where they, I think it's somewhere close to about 3%. I remember it changed uh, a couple of months ago. Um, yeah, so personal loan is a route, like you mm. said. Um, same with imports. It's also not linked to the car. So you mm. can still sell the car and still have the loan, which you can't do with a car loan. That is true. But it's also possible to sell a car with a car loan. If you can, yes. you can either pay it off or you can either have the amount deducted that needs to be paid back or very rare and exceptional case, you can actually find someone to take on the loan for yes. you. This yep. is really unheard of. I can't yeah. imagine how the conversation would go, I've got a loan, would you like to pay it off for me instead? Well, it's actually a good one for somebody who's trying to liquidate because you can jump in, take on the loan, you've got no, you yeah. don't have to do the down payment, you can actually be way ahead of yourself. Happens a lot in uh, housing, yeah. for people distressed sales in housing. Just tell us, Chris, for, uh, how then, just go over again, to, for those who are looking to buy an older car, to finance an older car, so what just repeat again, what year can you go up to, to to finance? So this year you can go up to 2013. So it cha- it depends on the bank as well. Not every bank will give you finance uh, for an older spec vehicle. Uh, with our value-added services at the Bizzle Cars, we have a lot of partners uh, with the banks 
So we can get you loans depending on the bank that you want to choose, and we can get you a loan on a car that's 2013 or newer. Uh, the tenure obviously is 12 months. The obvious highest tenure is 50, uh, sorry, 60 months. That's five years, but that will be on a newer spec car. I think it's that caps about five or six years. Uh, and obviously, after that, the tenure of the loan gets lower and lower. And obviously, the interest, uh, sorry, the repayment is a lot higher. Are you finding that because people moving move in and out of the country often? That uh, that might be part of the reason why people are buying cash and not going down the the loan path, where it be personal loans or car loans, and also the other side in terms of selling. How does that impact if you want to sell a car very quickly? Yeah, and we get this. We actually get asked this a lot. Um, selling a car with a loan is a in a daunting feeling because you don't know can you can you actually sell the car? You know, and uh, like we said before, it is possible. But you could be right. This could be the reason why a lot of people are putting down cash because. Dubai and the United Arab Emirates is a transitional country. There's a lot of people that come in for, say, a year or two, depending if it's for work or anything like that. So maybe they do come in thinking, I'm not going to buy a car on high purchase. Instead, I'll buy it with cash because I have that readily available. Mm. And also, too, we've got that thing here in the region, Noel, in Michan, where I think up until recently, uh, car companies couldn't actually finance themselves. They have to go through a, through a third party, through 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 a bank. Like, it's it's not yeah. actually, you can't go to, say, other other countries, for instance, we've been talking Ford this morning, Ford Credit, you know, mm. big company in the United States and other markets. But here, it has to go through a finance operation. Yeah. Part right? of the reason for that is that most of these distributors or the general offices are not national sales companies or NSCs. Mm. So they have to be national sales companies and only then can they sell you car. For example, Honda's Middle East operation is not an NSC. So they have to send everything to their distributor uh, trading enterprises and so on and so forth. Uh, Tesla operates directly, obviously cancels you cars directly and a few others, but most of them don't want to because their distributors do such a good job. So it's a thing that they don't necessarily want to do themselves because it's also seen as competition with their own distributors. Mm. Mm. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. How, how does that work with, with in terms of debizzle, financing, that sort of thing? I mean, you, you deal with finance companies as well, but you, you, you it's still up to the, the individual purchaser, right? Yeah. I mean, we have services that we will assist uh, anyone who's looking to buy a car, whether it's from, uh, say, the hub or the yard or our inventory, if it's our managed cars, even if it's from a, another platform or off debizzle itself or from a private seller, uh, we have partners within the banking industry that we can provide you with uh, the necessary needs that you need to buy your car. Uh, whether that be, like I said, an older car or a newer car, we can help uh, with those services to mm. make it that much easier. Uh, and again, it's the the most daunting one, obviously, is the clearing the loan. There's yeah. not a lot of companies out there that will actually help you do that, and to build the cars, we can help you do that too. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like when I first arrived here many, 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 many years ago, I had no problem in terms of thinking about I'll get a car with a loan mm. and just do it that way. The yeah. longer I live here the less inclined I think, okay, if I don't have the cash, I won't buy it. I'll even go down a, a grade in, in the sort of car I want. But I'm more of a cash buyer because you just rather just get it. Mm. It's yours. If you need to sell it quickly, you can. As you say, no, you don't have that hassle with the finance companies. But, but credit was easy back. I mean, when we first it's came out, here, it was, you, could, you could get a car loan in two days, I mean, and yeah. walk out the door with with the money. And, and uh, obviously, they've tightened up on that um, probably quite rightly. And uh, it's harder now. And so if something's harder, it's less people do it. So, yeah, it's easier to buy it cash off of you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But ultimately, you represent a risk to the banking industry, right? Mm. So they have to manage that risk. I get it. But I bought a car when I was 28 years old, one year of working, and I went and bought a sports car. That mm. would not happen now. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, no. They, uh, they, they keep a closer on it now. This is Motor Mania on Dubai Eye 103.8. The UAE's number one talk radio station.
Yes, welcome back to Motor Mania. I'm Damien Reed, and uh, joined in the studio, of course, by uh, Chris Milbourne of the Bizzle, Noel, em- the Noel Ebden. And try, try that again. I was going to swap swap <laughs> names there for a second. Noel Indershan, um, Noel and Indershan. <laughs> We're not interchangeable. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, don't, let's not try that. It, it works very well. Uh, Chris Milbourne, of course, from from the Bizzle, talking about car classifieds and including how to uh, sell your car fast. That's a question a lot of people think, particularly at this time of year would be keen to know because, uh, as we are just saying off-air, this is a time of year traditionally when people sort of tend to, to leave the country. It's getting hot, school's wrapping up, time to find a new career or move on or whatever else. They need to get rid of stuff quickly, whether it be furniture or cars or whatever else. The Bizzle is the, is the go-to. Um, how do you make the most of your ad? Very simple. There are three, three simple rules. Pictures. Let them do the talking, you know. Make sure the landscape, make sure the whole car is in view as well when you're taking the pictures. Make sure it's clean because people want to see that you've taken care of the car. Um, upload as many as you can. Uh, Dubizzle lets you upload 20 different pictures uh, of the car. Don't upload the same four frames of the uh, the front end. Yep. Upload different yes. ones. Yes. You know, the front, the back, inside, engine bay, you know, things, like that, p- things that people want to see in a car. Um, and also remove rubbish. Don't keep rubbish inside the seats. Baby seats, take them out as well. You know, you might be sending someone who doesn't have children. Get rid of the fast food it. drink in the, in the cup holder. Uh, yes. Water bottles, <laughs> yes. rubbish, garbage bags, you, many you name it. Yeah. Um, and also make sure they're straight. You know, you, you re- when you look at a car, you don't want to see it you know, lopsided. You also want to see it landscape. You don't want to see it horizontal, vertical, mm. because that would just, it drives you up the wall because you don't want to have to tilt your head just to look at a car. You want to make sure it's nice yeah, and straight. It's a really little thing for me, but it just, it just, really ticks me off when I look at the interior and the steering wheel is not straight. <laughs> if it's tight, five degrees, I'm going, all you had to do was straighten it. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it might actually affect car sales. I think it actually does because I don't think people want to buy cars straight. Non straight <laughs> uh, Details. Details are so important about a car. Don't, don't write, oh, good car, clean car. You know, actually talk about the car itself, what it has, the features, service contracts, warranty. This can all add value to your car. Um, and on Divisible as well, we have little uh, chips that you can add to it that uh, say that the car has car history from, uh, you don't have to specify the dealer from the badge, but you can specify that in the description that you write. You know, it's, it's very easy to upload and say car nice. But how mm. nice is the car really? Does mm. it have anything like this? It, you know, it also gets rid of people who might waste your time, tire kickers, stuff like this. Mm. You want to make sure that your description is nice and informative. You know, I'm not saying write uh, a novel, but mm. you know, a long list of things is always something nice to see. And price, you know, be pre- yeah. uh, this yes. is a thing that you hear about everything. Be prepared to bargain or negotiate because yeah. everyone's going to come in with some ridiculous offer. Okay, I'm not saying you have to entertain them. They're going to come and say, oh, yeah, I'm going to give you uh, 30,000 dirhams less than you're actually asking for. And I'll give you cash right now. Mm-hmm. If you're on a tight budget and you need the cash urgently that you said before you need to leave the country, it might be something you want to consider. But just make sure the price is competitive. You know, now as I was saying before that um, for the gentleman that was selling the HST is yes. to, to look around, look at the other cars that you're selling, similar prices, similar mileage uh, and similar years. Similar options as well is another thing to take into consideration. And kind of price it around there. Not at the same price, maybe a bit lower, so that yours, yours seems a bit more appealing. Yeah, yeah. And, and as you say, with price, um, another pet peeve of mine is put the price in. Mm. Like, well, I, I don't understand the, the, the fascination, mostly with dealerships, where they say, if it's social media or, or whatever, you know, DM for mm. price or, you know, call us. Just, if I see those, I just go, right, 
not looking. Ignore it. Not yeah, looking. Yeah, move honestly. on, move on. Just put the price there <laughs> and then we can work out whether we want to give you a call or not. But I think Dubizzle, you have to put the price, don't yes. you? You and can't put zero. Brilliant. Right. Yeah. And I've seen people put one dirham before. Yes. Um, but I think you, you find those, don't yeah. you, and kick them out. So, yeah, which is great. Yeah, it's it's yeah. One, of the, one of the great assets of Dubizzle is you, you, you know that there's a price. You yeah, see exactly. other things was like, exactly. just put the price in. Um, in terms, as you say, with photographs, what's your thoughts on, because I see some people, and we mentioned this with Naz off the top of the show, some people with the best intentions will go and hire a studio and put the car in a studio and soft light and the whole thing. For me personally, that doesn't work. It's got to be in its environment, well, right? You feel like that's put the price up by 20%. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, a red, that's a red flag to me. What it's are you hiding? Yeah. But, but it doesn't give the car perspective in my mind. It's like it, need, it needs to be in its natural environment. I mean, don't get me wrong, for something super fancy, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, McLarens, yeah, probably this is a nice thing to do. If you're selling a Yaris, probably no. not. Do it. Do it with the Yaris. <laughs> <laughs> a 20,000 euro photo shoot. Let's yeah. do it. Someone's probably listening and they're going to do this now. You know that, right? Exactly. He's going to do his Yaris. Why not? Uh, no, um, yeah, I mean, pictures, uh, it's always nice, actually. I mean, there's plenty of people online that will, you can just drop the message that do photography on, as a side hustle. You can probably drop the message and they'll uh, do pictures for you. Uh, this is the one great thing that we have at Dubizzle as well. Um, through our Dubizzle car service, we have a managed service where we'll actually take the pictures for you mm. when you sell your car to make it easier. Because now the weather is getting hotter. It's a little bit more difficult to take uh, uh, pictures of your car. And don't do it at night because you will not see anything. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing you'll do is when you're buying a car, you want to be able to see something in the pictures, you know. Yeah. Uh, doing it in the, the uh, shroud of night, very easy to hide a couple of things. But, uh, yeah, you can make your life easy with our managed services. <laughs> and the other one is um, spell check it, please. Oh, I've yes. Seen, I've seen a number of Toyota f- uh, furnitures. Yes. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And, and don't talk about alphas that are spelled with a PH, not an F. Yeah. <laughs> but going back to the, the DM price. You'd be around the house, wouldn't you? Uh, going back to the DM for price and then uh, zero. Now, um, here the export industry is pretty big. There's a lot of people that are looking to buy cars that want to take them overseas. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, a lot of dealers will um, do prices in US dollars. And because of the change in various markets, they will put the zero because they want people to call them and then they'll give them the price after that. So they don't want to put a price and then have to keep changing it, say, every day, yeah. uh, depending on the exchange rate of whatever country they're dealing with. Uh, most of them do like to operate with US dollars if they are exporting, but uh, that's that's main, that's the main reason why they took DM or zero yeah. or ask for price. Mm. Now, very quickly, the other thing, too, with the Bizzle, you've got a lot of filters or a lot of ways you can, you can decide to, to look at things. What are some of the keywords you would put in on the filters to find a good used car. So Nolan and I were talking about this before. I like to search for rare, and then I get the rear-wheel drive <laughs> Audis for some reason. Um, no, obviously on Dubizzle, um, we have a lot of filters to make your searching experience easier. You know, you can search by the make and the model. Um, a good option to do is if you're looking for a car but you don't really know what to, uh, what you want is to put your price uh, budget in. So put it the, the price between 100000 and 120000 and see what's available. It will, it will give you a justified a group of uh, cars that you could choose from, and then it will help you make a, a, de- a decision on the car that you want to buy. Because you might find something interesting, you might find something that was completely off your radar, or that you thought was more expensive than it might have actually been. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Look, Chris Milbourne, always a pleasure to have you in the studio talk about all things DeBizzle. Some really good advice there for people who are looking to buy and sell their car. This is Motormania on Dubai Eye 103.8. The UAE's number one talk radio station. 
Yes, Motormania with you through until midday. I'm Damien Reid and I'm joined in the studio by Intershan and Noel Ebden. Good morning, gents. Morning. How's it morning. going? Very, morning. Very well, thanks. What What have you guys been up to this week? Are we going to get stuck into a few cars a little later on, but anything else? Uh, oh, no, just the Ranger Raptor from you talking. It's a bit of a Ford week this week. It is, isn't it? Yes, yeah. yes, because uh, you were driving the Bronco as well. I did, Noel, yeah, I had to give it back, which was... A shame. <laughs> You're in the Ranger Raptor. I was in the Ranger. It's uh, the, the the regular Ranger, if you want to call it that, um, which was uh, they, it was launched in uh, in Jeddah this time last week. Mm. Um, so we had the XLT and the Wild Track up there, and it was really interesting because this car it's a, it's it's a proper global car, and it's, so it's designed and engineered in Australia. Even though Ford Australia don't manufacture cars anymore, the team is still there. So the cars manufactured in South Africa, Thailand, and Michigan. We're getting the South African cars for the Middle East that will come here. Um, and a lot of engineering development was carried out here in the Middle East for these cars. So the car spent a, nearly a year here in between 43 and 49 degrees uh, temperatures, severe sunloads for extended periods on the on the plastics and that sort of thing, high-speed runs at top speed uh, in, in, the hot, in the hot climate, um, checking for air conditioning, the whole lot. So, yeah, we, we drove the car up around um, in... in uh, what was it, the economic city in Jeddah or just, just behind there? So it's about an hour's drive away from the airport and some interesting terrain, sand, a lot of rocks um, and some mud that was a bit tricky. Uh, so, yeah, it was good stuff. Uh, but I caught up, I did, while I was there, I caught up with uh, uh, Hakim Hamerna. He's the product development manager for Ford Middle East. And uh, he told me about how they tested this car for the global market. In the Middle East, we've done a lot of testing, over four years of powertrain testing. And globally, collectively, we have covered nearly 11.5 million kilometers of powertrain testing. Wow. We have done that according to our kind of engineering procedures and, and you know, guidelines. But also something very important that we do at Ford is we test our cars similar to what our customers do exactly. So we get into the car and just drive around as our customers do. Part of it, you know, on a paved road, getting stuck in traffic, testing the ACs, you know, scorching sun, you know, going off-roading, going, you know, mild off-roading, you know, heavy off-roading, etc. It's like a mixed bag of all types of driving. For that, we have covered nearly 2 million kilometers of average consumers driving globally. Wow. Yeah, in- interesting stuff. I mean, they've done a lot of work here with this car mm. um, and, and it's going, you know, obviously in the, in the global markets. So, you know... So when you say it's a global car, is mm. it going to be the same car everywhere? Yeah. So, yeah. They're, they're, you know, like something, there's always differences between... Well, there's yeah, diff- I mean, different powertrain options, which sure. we'll get onto yeah. in, a, in a second for various things. So for us, we get the Ecotec 2.3 litre turbocharged four-cylinder, which is a great unit with a 10-speed mm-hmm. auto. Used to be a diesel, Yeah, it's so well, clever to push a turbo engine. Makes so much Well, there's sense. still diesels, but for, for other markets. So, um, uh, but in terms of the interior here, you've they put a lot of work into, you know, based on customer feedback to sort of make it more car friendly rather than be well it's interesting they've made the outside look more like a truck and the inside look more like a car <laughs> because people want the car to look like a mini truck but they want the usability of a car inside which is what's happened with the full-size trucks yeah so exactly a big 12.4 inch portrait center screen it's got the latest sync for connectivity uh which is voice activated on this car um as we said, it was tested in Jeddah. Unique terrain out there. As I said, it was a lot of gravel littered with these really sharp tyre-piercing rocks interspersed with vast sections of really soft sand that you just drop into. So what that did is it tested the terrain mode quite nicely. It moved automatically. You just leave it in the auto mode. And I didn't want to play around with putting it into gravel mode or sand mode. I just left it in automatic. Didn't touch the tyre pressures. Just see what it did. 
You could feel it, the mechanisms detecting the new surface in milliseconds. Like you drive off the gravel and it drop into sand and you think, oh, we're sinking. And then it would think for like, you know, half a second and then it would change its throttle settings, its steering settings and power and torque and drag you out and then put you back onto the gravel. And then it, it changed again. So, so quite clever. You can watch it all on the center screen too for a bit of fun. Um, for those who are not driving. And <laughs> Quickly <laughs> gives you ve- vehicle pitch, <laughs> roll angles and the whole lot. So, yeah, so the outside, more rugged, more like a mini F-Series kind of thing in terms of how it looks like. New grille, big Matrix LED, C-clamp headlights, um, and a new tail light design as well. So, uh, But in terms of the actual body itself, 50 millimetres longer wheelbase, 50 millimetres wider track. And the clever thing they did with the with the with the track is that they've the rear suspension towers are now they've decided they've pushed them to the outside of the frame rails rather than the inside of the frame rails, which means that you get a fl- you get a flat bed now in the back, so you can put a full pallet in. Mm, whereas before okay. in the previous one you couldn't do that, um, but also gives it that sort of wide staunch feel look as Coils well. Coils at the back, right? Not leaf springs. I believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which makes it a lot more comfortable because the old, I mean, actually the Rangers are ahead of the game, but a lot of these learnings are from the Raptor. Yeah, for mm. sure, for sure. Um, which we might, didn't get in our market, but other markets had a first-gen Ranger Raptor, now we're getting a second-gen. Yeah, so um, so Hackham also said exactly this. He's talking about the work that they did on the uh, suspension tuning. We wanted to give you the track experience, uh, you know, the load capacity without compromising on the right quality because mm. as we know so many people here in the region and globally use the ranger and most of our lineups as a suv replacement yeah so we wanted to ensure the ranger you know fits in that category and uh, without compromising on uh, built for tough experience for that we have um, changed the suspension configuration without with keeping mm. the leaf springs but we have changed the, the shock absorbers location they're now placed outboard of the frames which increases the transmission, uh, sorry, the uh, suspension travel range to give you a better ride quality. I guess it's a spin-off from that, but you have a flat, tra- you have a flat tray now because the suspension is is out is outside exactly. the wheel well. Exactly. So again, you know, for the handyman, gives you gives you added load capacity. Too. Exactly. And and one more thing, you know, for for people who know trucks and modify their cars as well, the benefit is something much more than that because this gives them bigger room to modify their tracks because yeah. the suspension is placed <coughs> outboard so they, if they want to fit bigger bigger suspension modify their tracks and so many people do so the ranger comes um, kind of uh, ready to be modified yeah so so hacken was talking about the suspension um on that one he really he, he could talk forever this guy about about this car isn't that amazing that people openly talk about modification at the launch of a car it used to be completely forbidden mm-hmm. we don't we don't want copy customers touch our cars we don't want to modify them we just we make them perfect as is which is also a fair point of view yeah. but to actually open that door and say okay fine we understand what customers are going to do with these vehicles so we give them enough room and well, clearance on that point too they've actually done a deal with ARB and there's a lot of plug and play with this car through ARB accessories. Mm-hmm. They've even hardwired in the, uh, the the switch panels in the roof and the ceiling to put lights and roof light bars and and winches and various other things mm-hmm. on it. And it's all plug and play, which is again clever. Because mm. okay, we talk about modification, but hang on a minute, we'll just do it for you and give it to you with our excellent warranty, and you can finance it. Why would you want to go to some nasty shop and ask them to fiddle with your brand new well, that, car? That was always the point, wasn't it? As soon as mm. you touch the car, the warranty's void. So yeah. you know you, that's why you saw so many Jeeps driving around at stock standard for the first few years and then suddenly 
10 upgrade minutes, you mean, up, yeah. 10 yeah. minutes. I've 10 never minutes. seen a stop. Then, yeah. then you go, then, <laughs> then up goes the suspension. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, if they do it themselves, one, they can charge for it, and two, it makes sense because it's still in a warranty. Exactly, so. and you've got the right bit for the right for the right purpose, yeah, exactly. and it's suited with the right battery, the right electrical equipment, everything else to support it. Mm. Now, as a global platform, as you said, the range, is, as we alluded to before, it has to suit many markets, including those, as we said, that need a diesel. So it comes with a four and a V6 diesel engine as well. But as you said, the Middle East, we do get the EcoBoost engine with the 10-speed auto. Um, now he's, he's talking about this hydroforming setup. Now it's it's a uh, he said it's a reference. He's talking about how it can take other um, to what they quote to future proof it for other for other propulsion technologies. So basically, it's a, it's a flexible interior, it's a flexible engine bay. What he's alluding to there is a future hybrid and potentially full EV powertrains such as the the F series Lightning. Um, as well. So, but the other thing is hydroforming was based on feedback from the Middle East, as it also allows more air in the radiator to uh, to keep the temperatures low. So, um, yeah, yeah, this is what Hackham had to say about the hydroforming on the new Ranger. It's a casting technology where it uses room temperature material with a super high uh, hydraulic uh, pressure to to form that material. Okay. Now, usually with casting, you need to melt the material first. You need to melt the raw material mm. and then cast it, which a little bit. It's a, it's, it's a super effective way of manufacturing yeah. uh, method. Obviously, it's been used for like decades. But this hydroforming um, kind of gives gives more strength and does not uh, affect the structural integrity of the part that you are casting. And the Ranger has this technology. The whole front end is a hydroformed one big piece, which increases really? the structural integrity of the truck and increases the space under the hood. Okay. And for that, we were able to fit different engines for different markets. So here mm. in the region, we have three engines. We have, uh, including the Raptor, we have four engines. Mm. Obviously, you know, the 3.0 twin turbo nano engine. We have the 2.3 uh, GTDI boost. We have the 2.0 bi uh, turbo diesel. And we have the 2.0 single turbo diesel. Yeah, so the diesels he's referring to are for the Saudi market. We will have the EcoBoost and then the V6 one for the, for the Raptor coming. So, so for the engine that we've got here, 298 horsepower, 452 newton meters, has a towing capacity of 3.4 ton, uh, with a payload in the four-wheel drive version of 776 kilos. If you go for the rear-wheel drive version, that goes up to 819 kilos. Um, so yeah, no pricing yet on that one for, for our, our market, but given the fact that it's about a 10% up on other markets I've seen in the US, that would make the base model here around about 93 and a half, and I think the wild track around about 143,000 dirhams for that one. That's not bad. So not there bad we go. Um, so the in, uh, just one quick one. The interesting thing about the hydroforming yep. is that's going to segue into your next one because that's where it actually came from, which was yes. Bentley. Let's keep it on things forward for the moment because uh, you guys have been driving. Let's keep it on forward Ranger things for the moment, Imtashen, because you've just been driving the uh, the Raptor, I believe. The Ranger Raptor. Um, so basically, you've covered all of the important parts about the regular <laughs> Sorry Ranger. About that. But yeah. you've got the fun bits now. No, I get to just cut straight to the chase. So Ranger Raptor, what is it? It is a strengthened version of the Ranger chassis, the Ranger Raptor. It has basically high-tech Ford 2.5-inch uh, Fox shocks, which have live valves, so they're basically intelligent shocks. And it's got a much bigger motor, 3-liter twin-turbo V6, 390 horsepower, and over 400 foot-pounds of torque. Uh, the Americans actually got an even more powerful version with about 400 horsepower but to be honest it's not much in it so we are pretty powerful 
raptor edition out here. Now, everybody knows what a raptor is. It's designed to go very, very fast in the desert and jump and fly, etc. Not that Ford will warranty your car if it flies through the air and lands. However, Ranger being a truck, a small pickup truck, a mid-sized truck, has to do a lot more like rock crawling and stuff as well. So it's got a lot of other sort of stuff to make it more usable in quarries and in over places like Wadi Shauka. So it has much better approach and departure angle, etc. I will cut to the chase. I think it's probably the finest off-road vehicle I've driven in the last 10 years. Oh, it is. Oh, it has a few deficiencies, but I really struggled to write down the deficiencies. The suspension is flat out amazing. Like mm. on-road, it's great. Off-road, it is magic. It has this wonderful little party piece. When you're going over a dune and you dangle a wheel in the air, this is high-speed stuff, not for the average star. star. It does a little click as the shocks go to full hard. You hear a little click mm. in the background and then you land like you're on a pillow. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, every time you go over a dune, you're like, I want to hear that noise again because you know the car truck's looking after you. Um, it's very comfortable. The seats are absolutely amazing, at least for my body shape. Um, Three-year twin turbos. I have not always liked these motors, but in the Ranger, it's fantastic. Absolutely great. 10-speed auto, perfect calibration it's like i designed this car an off-road <laughs> just, just to pick yourself up there. exactly um i will say that with most of these raptors they have sand modes they've had one for a while going all the way back to the gen one that came out in 2010 but i've never really used them because they all like keep it rev too high you know when you put a, in land roads the same thing they all rev quite high so you don't get stuck this car's different like it's almost like i calibrated myself it exactly knows where to find the torque peak it's not annoying it's the kind of car where you can go into the sand uh, input sand mode it don't have to deflate it just mm. goes um, very very few things that I dislike about it. it's not cheap it's 259,000 dirhams I hear there's a massive waiting list already that actually makes it the cheapest ra- Raptor you can buy because the regular mm. Raptor is over yeah. 400 Bronco Raptor is well over 400 um, and the rear seat not the biggest some of the materials are a little cheap as you go down as you feel further down it is a Thai made product at the end of the day but that's why it's affordable yeah. I think if you bought it you'd be extremely happy with it and you should well, there you go. Oh. How about that? Now, I don't want to make this a complete Ford fest, so I'm going to come, back to, to. In a, in a, I'm going to come <laughs> back to you in a moment, Noel, because otherwise we're going to be tripping over ourselves and covering a lot of the similar ground. So let's go to a car that I drove last week. Complete different end of the scale. Motormania got the first drive in the region of the, uh, the hybrid version of the Bentley Flying Spur, first one in the region. Um, it starts from 1.38 million dirhams. Uh, but it's consumer elect- advice from Damien Reed. Yes, <laughs> but electrification has now hit the top end of town. So, admittedly, it's not the full EV. It is a hybrid. It has a hundred kilowatt um, e motor, supporting a two point nine liter twin turbo V six. So you're still getting five hundred and thirty six horsepower, seven hundred fifty newton meters. The EV of that takes three hundred eighteen horsepower and four hundred newton meters, eight speed auto. But it can be driven in full EV mode, and it's a toe in the water for Bentley because they're going to be full EV by twenty twenty six with across their range. Um, but I think in this case, and we've discussed this before with Bentley and Rolls-Royce and other high-end cars like this, it's possibly the best-suited car to switch to electrification because they've been spent decades refining the, the combustion engine to be powerful, have masses of low torque, be silky smooth, and be as silent as possible. That's an EV. Exactly. <laughs> so, so driving this car, it felt similar to driving the W12 6-litre version. Um, it's still 2.5 tonnes. But it gets you to 100 kilometers an hour in 4.3 seconds, which is less than a second slower than the six-liter twin-turbo 12-cylinder. All right, so mm. you're straight away there. Um, 285 kilometers an hour, only marginally down on the on the V8, which is 320 kilometers an hour top end. It's academic, I know, but to give you an idea, that 536 horsepower, the V8 is 542, 750 newton meters. The V8 is 770. So you're not far off 
even the twin turbo V8 in terms of... It's uh, in the margin of error, mm. especially with the, considering the heat out here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the cars are literally equal. Uh, absolutely. You've got an 18 kilowatt hour battery that gives you a 56 kilometre range. But I got 65 kilometres out of it, pure electric, without sacrificing any speed or acceleration. I had a full day of errand running around here in, in Dubai. And I got home and I plugged it into the into the uh, into the wall unit mm. less than three hours is fully charged again so you can run it as a full ev if you had the ability to plug it in and of course being a smaller battery it, it takes it charges up very quickly um when you do get to zero kilometers on the battery the petrol motor takes over of course but there's bentley have, have designed it so there's still 0.9 of a kilowatt hour always in the battery charge in reserve even when it says absolutely zero so that it will always start in ev mode to get that mass rolling which is where all the CO2 emissions kick off. And once you're there, the ice engine fires up and you you carry on. Um, But I've got to say, guys, one of the things driving this car, it's been a long time since I've driven a flying spur or a big saloon, Mm. it has so much more presence than an SUV. Whether it be a Bentayga or a Cullinan Aren't or whatever cars else. cars great? People look at <laughs> we, we went to the Sotheby's event, you and I, uh, in the Shan, and I took you for a quick run in the car back to where yours was parked a million miles away. Thanks. <laughs> Called me out for it. And the look in, down, in downtown Dubai and in the financial area, the look of people just going, wow, look at this yeah, car. Yeah, but you, you valued don't get your that, car. Mm. I wouldn't value my car because yeah, but, that Bentley just looked perfect in that place. But you don't get that impression driving with all respect, a Cullen or a Bentayga. It's like, oh, it's an SUV. It's, an, you know, it's, it's a luxury car. It's nice. But it's not the... Oh, rent that who, from? Who's behind the wheel of that? Yeah. You know? Is, is, is the word we're looking for here sleek? Yeah. It's got to be, yeah. isn't it? Presence. Yeah. Presence. Um, Presence and sleek. There you go. I mean, beautiful. Take, take Inside, obviously, obviously, if you're sitting in the back, you've got massage seats. Well, you've got massage seats front and rear. Um, but you've got this smartphone-style device in the back that can also change the temperatures, the ambient lighting operate the side and rear privacy curtains, take care of the music. Um, there's also two powered folding picnic tables in the back of the front seat and a chill box for drinks. Um, this being the Molyneux version, which is their high-end version. Molyneux was their bespoke company previously that used to make bespoke body work. They now do touches at the top end. So you've got the bright chrome, you've got the double diamond grill, the lower bumper grills, brushed alloy wing mirrors. It just made the car stand out. Um, I'm not keen on Tim McGrain so much, so I was really happy to see that it had piano black. Um, with the knurled solid uh, alloy touches. And just, as I said, it's been four years, I guess, since I've driven one of these flying spurs. Uh, the attention to detail in the exterior is outstanding. The quality, I think, is the best of any car, mm. interior-wise, is just absolutely outstanding. So, yeah, I mean, you're talking big bucks. It starts from 1.38 million dirhams. That's but, the key, isn't it? It starts from. <laughs> but, boy, was it good to be back at, at the at the top end of town driving this car and just makes you – yeah, it's, it's, it's just a, a great car. It's a Nobody shame that – gets out of a Bentley and says, oh, well, that could have been better. Yeah. No, Everybody. but it made me think that why why are we phasing these out and moving towards SUVs? Because this this just has it, – it's, it's a car. It's built properly – I'm not saying they're not, but it's built for the city. Yeah. The only reason people are moving to SUVs is bad driving. As simple as that. People, because they're not very good at driving, they want to be higher up and safer. And, and because yeah. you've had two kids and all. Yeah, well, you can put them in the back. I'd quite happily drive a flying spur and put the kids in the back. Yeah, but I'd argue there's probably more luggage space in the boot yeah. of, a, of a flying spur than, than, than yeah. most SUVs, considering how close back the, especially third row uh, SUVs the, that some manufacturers course, yeah. do. But yeah, so that was the uh, the Bentley uh, hybrid flying spur, and um, out there now. Fix it.
or flip it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it is worth. How does it work? It's easy. We need the details about your car. We need the make, the model, the year, the colour, the mileage. Send them to 4001 or via the ARN Play app, or even better, pick up the phone. Give us a call, 04871 But as usual, I'm not doing it on my own. I've got the uh, the expert in the studio to help me out, automotive entrepreneur Naz Chowdhury. Good morning, Naz. Good morning. Good to be back. Great to have you back in the studio. Uh, I'll tell you what, if there's one person out there who can sell a car it's naz chowdhury i try i try <laughs> as we said creating and crafting the perfect car advert what are your tips from your vast experience in the region you know it's uh, very very simple actually it's just some i mean there's a couple of simple things that could be done that could make a night and day difference in terms of preparing the car and it's all about presentation so the first thing i'd say is clean the car make sure it's clean inside outside make sure the pictures have been taken well in the nice clear daylight the amount of times i've seen dirty cars inside car parks i mean that would just put anyone off really uh, get hold of all your services to get hold of all your paperwork and just take a few minutes to write a description which nobody seems to do these days so just how can you expect to sell something if you haven't described it properly mm. so nice clean pictures nice description and uh, that's it. And make sure you price it right, of course. So have mm. a look at competitors on Dubizzle, who's selling what, and make sure you price it right. There's there's two things that I'd really like to get your thoughts on about this because you're in the, in the, in the industry and you made a career out of doing this. Mm -hmm. Why do industry people be so reluctant to put the price down and say, you know, like on social media, DM me or, you know, if it's not social media, call, but they don't actually put – because that's the one thing. If I, can't, if I don't see the price, I'll skip on to the next ad. I have no idea why people do that. And it really, really gets to me because mm. it should be priced and it should be priced right. Yeah. I think, I think, and I could be wrong here, but I think they're just chances. They're just seeing, depending on who walks in and what yeah. they look like, they'll just throw out different prices on the day and things like that. Uh, but I definitely, definitely recommend pricing it and pr pricing it competitively. Um, another thing is don't price it too cheap. Sometimes if you want to get rid of a car a little bit quicker, um, if you see a car, if a car is advertised too cheap, it also puts people off, right? Because they think, why is it cheap? There's something wrong with it. So it just takes a bit of time to price it right. Unfortunately, we're not in, you know, more developed Western countries where you have prices guides like, you know, Kelly Blue Book in the US mm. or Parker's Guide in the UK. But here, really, you can say our, our pulse on, on, on the pricing industry is, is Dubizzle. So, you know, I think there's over 40,000 cars online. So you just compare similar like for like models. Uh, make sure you, you, you choose the right specifications because GCCO is worth a little bit more than mm -hmm. the imports. And uh, I'd say just as a rule of thumb, you know, find four or five cars of similar year, kilometer and mileage and uh, take the average price and that's that's where it needs to be really. Yeah, yeah. The other thing too that I'm interested in is um, when it comes to photography of cars, uh, you see some people with all the best intentions will take the car to a studio with a, with a flat light and do the whole yeah. thing and it looks, it looks beautiful for a magazine. Yeah. But in my mind, the car's out of perspective. I, I like to see it on the street or, you know, in, in a nice environment, yeah. but out in the real world, in the real sun, yeah. and in, in perspective. You know, the, there's, there's really an art to this, and uh, I can do it in 30 seconds, so I'd like to say <laughs> that I've perfected it over the years. It's not rocket science. You don't need fancy SLR cameras with fisheye lenses or anything like that. All I'd say is park the car with this plenty of natural light, ideally not too bright so like early mornings late afternoon something like that uh we have you can have a good walk around so there's nothing in the background for about five ten meters and literally take all the eight angles so you've got front left front right 
back left, back right, side profile left, side profile right, front head on, rear head on. Well, tail on, actually, should yeah. I say. <laughs> and then for interior shots, if you can get in the back seat and put the front seats down and just take one picture so it's a full dashboard view. And then as you open the driver's door, another one from there and another one from the passenger side and maybe the engine bay. That's it. 14 photos presents the car perfectly. People try and get creative with angles and zoom in shots. None of that helps. It might look fancy on Top Gear and things like that, but we're not, we're not here advertising. We're, we're here yeah. to sell the car and present it well. So literally those, those 13, 14 photos is all it takes for someone to make a decision on the car. Great advice, Naz. Great advice Thank because you. you're there to do a job, to sell a car. It's not a glamour shoot exactly. for, the, for the car. Um, we've got some calls coming in. Before we get to that, we've got one very quickly here, the text from Jamie. Um, asking for a reasonable selling price for the GCC spec 2013 Ford Edge Limited, 121,000 kilometres. It's regularly serviced, recent change of, of all-wheel drive control unit and a front-wheel axle assembly. Um, that's from Jamie texted in. I'd say around... Uh 35 to 40,000 dollars somewhere there okay that's good um now we've got our first caller on the line and uh it is uh fasman good morning morning damien how are you very well thanks first cab off the rank thanks for joining us this morning um, now <laughs> you, you. <laughs> you're saying you've got a, a honda civic uh with two hundred and seven thousand yes. kilometers to a 2010 model um, yeah. And you're asking, what, what, what are you looking for? Are you looking to sell it or just get some advice? Yeah, I want to sell this and uh, we're looking for another one. So just want to understand like, how much this would this could fetch, you know, approximately. Okay. Have you had the car since new? It's a 2010 model. I'm sorry? Have you had the car since since it was new or are you uh, a, no, another I owner? Bought it, I bought it in 2014 as a like, pre-owned. So I'm using the car for the last eight years now. Okay, and uh, all right. Well, well, let's get to this one first, Naz, and we'll get to your second question in a moment. Uh, Naz, at, at Honda Civic 2010, 207,000 kilometres. Uh, not what? a problem. Yeah. Kilometres are not a problem. Yeah. Uh, Fazman, thank you for the call. Um, I'd say this car is worth around, realistic, around 15,000 dirhams, and it's going to stay there. And that is such a buoyant market at the moment. You know, mm. you've got a lot of uh, people who just got into their driving license, they need a set of wheels, and the first thing they look for is a reliable Japanese car, uh, regardless of mileage. That's going to take it from A to B. I don't think you'd have any problem selling this car for around 15000 I see the second part of your question where you said, is it okay to buy American specs cars? Um, and the answer to that is, yes, it is okay, provided you check the car. You know, you can have a very, very clean American spec car, and you can have a completely accident salvage damage GCC spec car, right? So the spec doesn't determine the condition. Regardless of whether right. it is American or GCC, just have an independent mm -hmm. inspection carried out for the sake of a few hundred dirhams because some of the American cars yeah. are clean and some of the GCC cars are not. Okay. And one question on that. If the, if the, some say, look, if the airbag is out, you shouldn't be buying that car. Is that, is that true? Definitely. Uh, well, mm. I definitely avoid it unless you really know what you're doing. So, the, you know, the airbag system on a car is an extremely complicated system, right? From, you know, mm -hmm. uh, sensors and the bumpers and even down to the control units, down to the uh, pre-tensioners on the seat belts, and it's all an enclosed loop, right? So what happens is if the airbag system goes off or the airbag deploys, it needs okay. to be reset correctly. So, you know, some okay. people will just remove the airbag or, you know, put a fuse in it or put a resistor in it to switch off the light or maybe have good intentions to put a used airbag in it. But without resetting and okay. recalibrating that system, that whole airbag system could be redundant and that's a life-saving thing that you need so you mm. really really want to make sure that the airbag 
system is done, been done correctly. Oh, so if there's a, if a thorough check being done, can they identify it? The right people or? can. The right people can. I mean, we can get quite technical here, but you know, if you, if you put an onboard diagnostic and run, run a system scan on the airbag system to make sure everything's within parameters okay. and things like that. But okay. I have seen people that, you know, instead of replacing a specific airbag part or replacing the existing uh, part, um, that just bypass the system. So it looks like it's okay, but it's not. So you just have to be very, very careful. There you go, Fazman. Right. I hope, hope that helps you Thank with you that so one. Thank you so much. No, no problem. No Thank problem. you so much. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. Going straight now to uh, to Ravi. Ravi, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, now, you've got uh, an Infiniti Q60. Uh, what, what are your thoughts with this one? How, how long have you had the car for a start? I've had it for the last, from 2017. So what is that, five years? Okay. So you've owned it since it was a convertible. Um, um, it's... Yes, it is a convertible. I'm, I'm thinking of selling this car, but uh, I do not have any reference point because uh, whenever I check Dubazil, there is no, there's no, no other yeah. 360 listed. So I thought I'll see, uh, call you guys up and check uh, and take your help and advice. Yeah, not many of those came into the country as uh, convertible Q60 uh, Infinities, but uh, good underpinnings, good, good engineering, um, but they just didn't sell too many. Yeah, it's strange, isn't it? These a lot of these Japanese convertibles, even going to some of the Lexus and things the like that. IS they, Lexus, that, yeah, yeah, they're great yeah. cars, but they don't sell. Uh, thank you for the call, Ravi. Um, and it is, you know, a very good point what you said, which is, you know, the first thing I said was uh, have a look online, look at some comparables, and from there you can get an average. But with these Infinities, you know, convertibles are very few and far between. So how do you, how do you price such a car in general, right? Um, there's a couple of things. First one being coming into summer. Um, the convertible aspect doesn't add that much value. Um, but if you are not in a rush and you're ready to wait till September or so, uh, it will definitely add value compared to a coupe. So if you look at the coupes online, Ravi, they're starting from eighty to 100,000 dirhams, somewhere there, depending on the spec and the mileage and things like that. I'm sure you've seen that. Um, yep. In general, in general, we'd say convertibles were 20% more, but you'd only find that premium in the winter months. You wouldn't find it in the summer yeah. months. Okay, okay. Yeah, that, that really helps. I that hope really that answers helps. the it question. Gives me, for it you. gives me, yeah, it gives me a price point. Thanks for the advice. I'll just give and you one I... more piece of advice, Ravi. Because it's not a popular car, um, not many people will be looking for it, right? Because, uh, yep. but if they see it, they might like it. So what I would do is, as I said at the start of the advert, at the start of the show, you know, make sure you present the car well with great pictures, with the roof down. And pay that little premium to do Bizzle to have a featured advert. Mm. So you're right at the top uh, because people might be browsing online and say, oh, I never thought of buying an Infinity, but let me have a look. Because yeah. the chances yeah, are yeah, someone's going to go into Infinity QX60, let me buy a convertible today. You're not going to find those buyers, but you just have to cast your net wide by putting a featured advert, which might cost a bit more and seeing what comes out. That's awesome advice. Thank you so much. No problem. Absolute pleasure. No, no problems, Robbie. Thank, thanks for calling. Uh, yeah, great advice um, on that one too. And also, you know, as we say with people who own convertibles, we're heading into the time of the, se- of the year where it's not, not wise to sell a convertible if you've got one because the last thing people want to do right now is put the roof down yeah. um, and, and go on. So, uh, you know, September, Oct- yeah, September is about the time when they when they start to to, to keep, even though it still in. gets it's still hot until November, right? But September is the time yeah. when the prices come back up. One more text here from uh, Mataza. He's texting a 2015 BMW X6M, full options, 
203,000 kilometres turbo and it's uh, white in colour. You know, these are phenomenal cars, like one of yeah. my favourites. But unfortunately, with that mileage, it's really going to put a lot of people off. You know, these are prone to engine management lights, warning lights, loss of power. Um, they just have a reputation for not being that reliable. And especially with that mileage, because of that, I'd say probably 90, 85,000 dirhams. I mean, that's mm. less than less than 20,000 euros for an X5, X6M, right? Incredible. But that's yeah. what it's worth of air. Yeah, and that, they can be very complex to, to service and maintain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a twin turbocharged unit. You've yeah. got a lot of heat build up because that was one of the early cars that had yes. the inboard turbochargers that sit in the V of the engine. These ones still do, I think. Yeah, that's amazing. But, do, but yes, they're yes. one of the early ones before yes. it became mainstream. Exactly. Um, so therefore, there's a lot of heat build up in yeah. the engine. So, and as we get into summer, yeah, that, that can be uh, an issue there. Fix it. Or flip it. Tell us about your car. We'll tell you how much it's worth. This is how it works. The make, the model, the car, the the colour, the mileage, the year. That's the information we need. Anything else you've got, love to hear that as well. Send it to 4001 or via the ARM Play app or even better, give us a call. 04871 We'd love to have a chat with you and the lines are going busy this morning. That's great to see. And I'm joined, of course, by Naz Chowdhury. He's live in the Dubai Eye studio. We're ready to take your calls. And so uh, we're going to get straight into it because the numbers, the phone lines are hotting up. And we're going straight to uh, Paul now on the line. Good morning, Paul. Morning, guys. How are you doing? Very well, thanks. Very well. Morning, Paul. Uh, now, you've got a uh, Ford Edge ST model. That's right? Yeah. So um, as far as I understand it, it's, it's, they're quite rare, or at least there's not many of them around. Um, and just wondered what it was worth now, I guess. Yeah, so they didn't come out for a long time, did they, Naz? This is a 2019 model, um, and it says here you've got 40,000 kilometres on it, uh, and the full Altair service history, well done. Um, But yeah, Naz, they didn't come around, they didn't stay on the market for all that long. Not too long, no, I think until 2023, and now 2024, the Ford Edge are renewing the shape as well, Mm. coming as a hybrid model. Um, Thank you for the call, Paul. Um, I'd say, yes, you know, there's not that many on the market, so it's hard to gauge. And generally what happens with with a car like this, in my opinion, is, you know, the first person would put an arbitrary figure on there saying, well, you know, mine's the ST, therefore it's worth 150 for argument's sake. And then the other people that come online and say, oh, mine's probably worth 152. And then before you know it, the first person's actually set the price. Uh, In contrast, what also happens is, Somebody will be quite desperate to sell the car or in need of cash a bit quicker. He'll drop the price to 130 And then before you know it, the other two guys are like, hey, I've overpriced my car. Let's all put it down to 130 So it's, it's, surprisingly, like, it's surprising how quick the market can change based on mm. just people's sentiment of what they think it's actually worth. You know, if you're not in a rush to sell it and you just eventually want to sell it, but not in a particular rush, I'd probably advertise it five. 10,000 dirhams cheaper than the ones in the market just to get some traction and see if that's actually realistically a benchmark. So maybe, you know, 139, 145, somewhere there. Um, If after 14 days of a nice featured advert with good photos and things like that, you don't get the kind of traction you're looking for, then probably knock off 5,000 every 10 days or so until you do find the actual realistic uh, selling price. Yeah, yeah that's really interesting to me. I mean, I I collect uh, I collect watches as well. Yeah. And uh, when you buy and sell watches online, it's like the 
the customer sets the market almost. Yes. And that's yeah. almost what you're saying there. It's very interesting. I do the watches as well, by the way. The same thing happens on Chrono 24 and all of that. You see car, what person set the price. <laughs> car people and watch yeah. people are often the same, you know, Paul. Um, yeah, we need to connect. <laughs> I think it's the mechanical side of things. Yeah. Is, uh, is your car, is, is it a manual or an auto? Because they, they did sell quite well for the manuals. Here yeah, no, it's an automatic. Auto, yeah. um, hmm. We got it. We got it from Altair. Um, and I mean, I love it. Absolutely love the car. Um, you know, the, the, the acceleration you get out of the ST is just crazy. Um, and, um, you know, I'm a father of two young girls now. So I used to have a Mustang, but had to change that for, uh, for a bit more of a family. <laughs> very, car. very sensible choice. You know, back in the UK, if there's an ST badge on, you know, a Focus or an Edge yeah. or something, it's like really hot, like everybody wants it it's like it's very very desirable here yeah. most people don't know the difference what have you got a ford edge yeah. st or what does that mean like standard like people don't really there's only a few petrol heads out there that would actually appreciate that st badge so make sure you market it and promote it well yeah thank you very much guys all the best Paul. absolute pleasure thanks for joining us um and we're going to go straight now to billy uh good morning billy you've got a bmw uh i8 2015 model tell me more about it yeah, hi guys. Uh, yeah, got this uh, back in 2015. Uh, bought it from the dealer. Had, had to wait a while to get it delivered. But uh, yeah, I've absolutely loved this car. Uh, it's caused me no trouble whatsoever over the years. But uh, I'm kind of getting to that point where do I look to change it up now and go for something different? And I, I guess this side of the summer, do I put it on the on Dubizzle or try to sell it now or wait till after the summer and I, I guess I just wanted to know a benchmark for what it's worth is it worth selling um, for what I'd get for it yeah because there's not a lot of them around uh, it's a tricky one and it was a, it was a real um, groundbreaking car when it was released and uh, I drove one when they came out I love the sound of the the, the petrol motor Beautiful. The it's got 1.3. It's right? got a nice rasp to yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. 1.3. And it's fast. It is <laughs> but it's quick. I think because because they're not um, they're not massive engines and they, they, there's not a lot of them around. I don't think they make them anymore. I believe. No. But uh, but uh, I still pull up some places and people go, oh my god, what is that? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's got that nice three cylinder <laughs> rasp to it, but yeah. also too, obviously you've got the uh, plug in hybrid option uh, feature on it as well. Um, Naz, I mean, this is a this is a tough one. Yeah, you know what? I actually think I actually think now we're going into this whole EV era, right? Where everyone's like at the forefront of you know battery technology yeah. and plug-in hybrids and fully electric and things like that. I think BMW actually started this thing and actually came in early, in yeah. my opinion. You know, yeah. if if the the i3, the i5, 100%. the i8 range launched a year or two ago, I think it would have been a different different story. But they mm. actually. Were, were early adopters and people weren't ready for those cars at that yeah. time, right? Yeah. People were actually scared. So, you know, hats off for you buying this car new. Like, this this is the first time I've seen an IA owner who's the first owner for the past eight years. So it's good that you got your use out of it. Now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, like I was always a BMW fan, loved BMW. <laughs> so was I, I honestly. Concept version. Uh, I think it was one of the Mission Impossible yeah. movies. I was like, what is that? What this <laughs> thing came out. Yeah, That's it's it. like. You know, incredible. I mean, look, in, in terms of pricing, the one thing that puts a lot of people off, but I'm assuming you've got a good service record, is maintenance, right? Mm. Everyone's scared of, you know, hybrid cars, electric cars, once they reach five, six, seven, eight years old. 
you know, if the battery goes, how much is it going to cost me? If the control unit goes, how much is it going to cost me? And we heard these stories of, you know, 50 grand, 80 grand, 100,000 dirhams. They have to pull the whole part, car apart. So this is one thing that's going to put a lot of prospective buyers off. In terms of like. pricing, um, you do have a huge advantage in the sense that it's a GCC spec car. And I'm assuming you've got a decent service history on it. Um, but oh. having said that, you know, whether you advertise it for 175 or 275 you're going to get the same amount of phone calls because it's just mm. that one or two people that are in Dubai that know what they're looking for, that have probably like, you know, built up to that purchase. And it's going to take time. You're going to speak to a lot of people. Unfortunately, there are going to be a fair share of time wasters that are going to offer you 100 cash, 120 cash, 130 cash. These dealers are just chancing it. Um, but yeah. if you were to ask me what I genuinely think it's worth with 68,000 kilometers, I'd say around 200,000 dirhams. Um, ballpark Correct. figure. Um, I don't know how that sounds to you. Were you expecting more or less? I heard a reaction. No, no. I, I think uh, I think it was about just over seven hundred new. So yeah. I've had my money's worth out of it for sure. And uh, it's um, like I say, it it doesn't it hasn't cost me anything in maintenance. And Amazing. Mm. Insurance, insurance is extremely low in it, and and I st still got the wow factor, and I still I still get that kind of what loving it when I drive it you know so I'm really battling and because they don't make them anymore to get another car like this is going to be near on impossible um, yeah. and I'm, I'm I'm sort of do I sell it or do I just keep hold of it and I, I, I guess I've got to make that decision you know yeah well my advice is look everything's got a price tag on it if you're in that on the fence mode where you're not sure if you want to sell it or not just stick up really high 259 269 just be one of those mean assertive sellers not, not interested yeah. if you want it you want it and if someone's that desperate to buy it at that price, happy days, right? Yeah, put put put, yeah. put, a, put a high price on it. If someone offers you it, happy days for you. If they don't, then uh, you're going to keep your pride and joy. So um, they're, they're, <laughs> that's probably the best you do. But look, thank, thanks very much for, uh, for, uh, for for that one, Billy. Really, really, uh, really good, and and all the best with uh, with uh, with the sale or non-sale of it. <laughs> uh, thanks for the advice, guys. Super Absolute fast. pleasure. Yeah. Fix it or flip it. Yeah, tell us about your car. We're going to tell you how much it's worth. We're going to give you advice as we did with Billy with his i8 BMW just a few moments ago. Just we need as much information the make, the model, the year, the color, the mileage, the history, anything you've got at all on that. Send it to us 4001 or via the ARN Play app or just give us a call 04871 as a lot of people are tending to do this morning, which is great because Naz Chowdhury and I are live in the studio ready to take your calls. And we're going to go straight to the lines again. And it's a very good morning to Nippan. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Damien. Hi, good morning, Naz. Morning. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Nippan, tell us about your BMW. It's a uh, E39528i. So for those who Want to know their not their 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 series? It's a 1999 model. Uh, but tell us a little bit more about your 528i. So um, actually, this is a hand-me-down from my dad. Um, he's into BMWs, and uh, he he has an E34 and an E39. Wow! And, uh, you know, once uh, I started driving, he let me have the E39. Um, so it's been in the family for like the whole time since 1999. It's uh, actually the same year that I was born in. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, the thing is, that the, the maintenance costs on this thing are really—it's—it's it's getting up there now. It's, you know, the age is also pretty. The mileage is really high now. It's around two hundred and thirty thousand kilometers. 
and uh, you know i was wondering is it still worth keeping it around as a daily driver or you know maybe you should invest in like a new uh, possibly more ef- like efficient car yeah mm-hmm. um thank you for the call um great car by the way i mean those for me are like one of the last real bmws like solid right Absolutely. close the door and it yeah. just slams shut like a submarine you know, <laughs> you, you know you're safe in that <laughs> uh, in terms of uh, in terms of you, you know your question y- yes you're 100 percent right the maintenance is definitely going to creep up on these cars you know on the plus side if you're a bit of a risk taker there's some great backstreet gem garages in charger that like really know how to deal with these cars and you know actually can maintain it quite well but living in you know 40 degree summers and 50 degree summers and the cars getting on to that age um it's going to cause more harm than good in in terms of holding it now you know you've got two options here if it does have that sentimental value where it shares your date of birth and it was a hand-me-down from your dad then maybe you just keep it as a weekend car you know just one of those things where you go out to the cinemas on the weekends and take your friends in it just for nostalgia but if there's no sentimental value my honest advice would be get rid of it and uh, get yourself something new. I mean, I was looking at some new car ads mm. these days, and you know, from a thousand dollars a month, you can buy a new car. It's cheaper yeah. than renting, right? So, um, you probably spend more than that on maintenance on this, right? So, it's just to put it into perspective yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah, Nipan. Um, yeah, I, I sort of tend to agree with Naz on this one. I think if if you're really into the BMWs and you want to uh, you know, invest in in restoring it and cleaning it up and stuff, you've got a great car. If you're just looking for a nice car, you said there, you look, should I consider investing in, uh, say, a, a new BRZ? Uh, look, I'd go down that path because the thing is, is mm. that the E39, as Naz said, is one of the more desirable BMWs and the other one you mentioned, E46 as well. So you're going to find mm. buyers for them, right? You're going to find buyers who are BMW enthusiasts and collectors. So you'll get good money for them. They're appreciating in terms of what, they, in, what they're selling for, but they do cost to maintain. So... In your situation, I'd be looking for yeah. Look, see what you can get for them, and then get into a car that you really enjoy, like the BRZ, the brand, new, the new ones have just just hitting the street now. Great little car, um, and I'd be looking down that path. All right, thank you so much for your advice. Absolute pleasure. All the best. No problems at all. Now we're going to go straight now to uh, Scott. Good morning, Scott. You've got a nice car here. Tell tell me about this one. Yeah, so I I owned it for two years. I bought it. Uh, uh, 121,000. It's now the RS7, um, which I, uh, I do 15, 20,000 k a year. So it's up at 155k now. Beautiful. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm wondering. I'm wondering whether to to sell it or to uh, to keep it. Um, it's been fairly good. That's uh, just normal services to date. But I know that obviously for the mileage, it's a bit of a yeah. So you've you, you've you're the first owner, is that right? No, no, no. I bought it two years ago. So it's twenty fifteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, twenty fifteen. But yep. I bought it two years ago. Okay, and uh, you've got the service records. Uh, has it been serviced yep. by by the by the the factory dealer, or is it uh, um, through through other? I, no, by ARM. Uh, okay. Since it's uh, after its warranty expired, it's been done by yeah. ARM. So. Yeah, yeah. I got the records. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people do that. Um, yeah, Naz. I mean. I, I drove the RS7 in 2015 when they were new, and my, such, <laughs> I put that down as one of the best cars I drove that year, really? simply because of imagine, the yeah. the practicality of the of the size. I like the shape; it was the it's it's the fastback sort of shape that was mm. new to Audi at the time, and the yeah. dynamite performance. I mean, with five seats, yeah, exactly. it was phenomenal. Oh, it's a great, great car to drive. Yeah, it really is. Honestly, so 
Audi, you know, they, they really revolutionized it. With the, it's a four-liter four twin-turbo engine, and that's the base platform for even the, you know, the Bentley GTs. Mm. The RS6, which for me is like the ultimate, yeah. ultimate, like, powerhouse, right? And it's like an A380. Yeah. so comfortable. You can do 250 kilometers an hour. Not that we do, of course. <laughs> like, completely comfortably. These Audis are yeah, really, really underrated. Them. You know, going back to Europe, a gunmetal gray Audi RS7, that will not stick around. People will just jump on that straight away. Mm. Here, unfortunately... Uh, the mileage has a big impact. You know, Audis have this negative connotation whereby, you know, the maintenance costs are high and things like that. And, you know, Alex Renner, you know, great workshop, you know, a bit out there in the middle of D D Dubai industrial yeah, city industrial somewhere. Area, yeah. But, yeah, they have a really, really, really good setup, really good maintenance and things like that. And he's got the runs on the board. He's been here a long time too now. 20 plus years, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So they've done, you know, and they started off with Porsche and now they That's do right. Audi and these uh, Ferrari and these other brands as well. Um, so going back to your question, Scott, um, first question, I guess, is, is, is terms of pricing. I mean, you know, as, as we all say, have a look online to get a benchmark. You know, you find similar cars advertised for 140, 150, um, although yours is slightly higher kilometers. So in order to make it attractive, yeah, lower. yeah I'd say, you know, market it at 129, things like that. Um, you know, if you don't find a like for like comparison online, maybe look at the RS6 range because it's similar in terms of pricing there as well. Um, you know, as long as you're okay to have maintenance costs, and they will come up. You know, bushes, the brake pads are not cheap on these. I know that because I had no. I, I did the brake. Yes, exactly. Yeah, when I when I bought it, I knew I needed to do the brake. Yeah, they're big the calipers. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got like other common problems, like you know the propeller shaft mounting. Uh, AC compressors tend to go at this kind of mileage as well. Then you have oil leaks between the front and rear crank seal, and that's around fifteen, eighteen thousand dirhams when they have mm. to take everything out. So as as long as you're okay to to manage these costs, you know, just pencil in ten, fifteen thousand dirhams a year in terms of maintenance. Then honestly, it's a great car and keep on going. But just bear in mind that as the kilometers keep creeping above one fifty, you're just diminishing the likelihood of of, of finding a potential buyer. You know, an mm. Audi R seven one one fifty on the clock is a tough sell, and it's just going to get tougher if you continue. So I guess. What I would do personally, if, if, if this is what you're asking is, you like the car, no harm done if you don't sell it. So put it on high, 139. You've got a good service record. You sound like a genuine seller. Um, if somebody comes, appreciates the car, appreciates the color, appreciates the money you've put into it with Alex Renner, then happy days. You get what you want for it. But if you're getting the low ball offers of 100, 110, and you look out, then you think, I'm not going to buy anything. Yeah, that ticks all my adrenaline boxes. Mm. Then just hold on to it. Uh, another yeah. op another option, Scott, is uh, is if you've got the relationship there with with ARM, and the guys have been servicing it, get them to also put put the word out as well because they're they're advertising their service as well. They're they're they're, they're putting their money behind the name in, in effect yeah, to say, yeah, look, yeah. I've you know, our business has serviced this car, so we know it inside out. We can give you a report. And get them to yep. stick it up on their own boards or their own, you know, um, uh, social media posts and stuff. And, and because so they've actually helped me with that. Actually, yeah. The, yeah. the the service manager, I think his name is Mohammed Sharvin, lovely guy. Just ping him and say, look, I'm thinking of selling the car. They have an amazing network of local and international sellers, and uh, they'll just come back to you with a figure as well. Mm. All right, thanks. Yeah, I will do. Yeah. No worries, Scott. I hope that works. Um, now we're going to go straight now to Injay. Uh, good morning, Injay. You got a Ford F150. Good morning. Yes, I have a wonderful F-150 Lariat, 2015, silver colour with a great racing stripe down it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. It, does the car have a name? <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> is, it, uh, is it the single cab or the four-door version? It's a four-door version. Okay. That's great. 
Great. And you're looking to get, uh, so you say you've got full dealership service there. I'm assuming that's through Altair, is that right? It is, exactly. We bought it through Altair used a few years ago. And she's now got 170000 on her. And I was wondering what we'd be able to get for her. Fantastic. Um, well, um, Naz, you'll never have a problem selling an F-150 in, in any market in the world. Yeah. I was just looking at a review about the US and how they have literally like dominated the pickup scene. And they do really yeah. well here as well. Um, in terms of pricing, mm. I'd say like they are good sellers as long as they're presented and marketed right. I'd say advertise it around... 85 to 90,000 dirhams and yeah. then, but expect a bit of negotiation you know these these, okay. these cars get bought and sold quite a lot but even though you advertise it for that you, you expect offers to come in around 70 75 and you just have to stick your ground and you know fight back on the negotiation so just be ready for that <laughs> yeah okay excellent the, so be worth keeping i'm going to probably hold on to her yeah and keep making her look nice yeah, the good news is, uh, Angie, just to, uh, unless obviously some major thing happens, don't expect much depreciation. So if you were to call back this time next year, I'd probably knock a couple of grand off that figure. I mean, these things have hit the bulk of their depreciation now. Okay. The, We've got the warranty on it, so that's excellent. Nice. Yes. Yeah, enjoy, enjoy. Fantastic, Angie. Well, I hope that helps you. All right. Thank you very much. All the, thank you. All Pleasure. The all the best. Um, a very quick text message from Mariam has texted in. Hi there, Motormania. Uh, I have a, <laughs> I have a neck problem and would like to know which type of cars have less impact on neck and spine, especially with too many bumps in on the roads. Uh, we we get we we get some uh, th- throw some interesting questions. We Naz. get it all here, don't we? I yeah. can tell you one straight off. I ju- and, and we're going to bring it up in the second hour. I just drove the Bentley. I know this is a very expensive answer. <laughs> I'll spend two million dirhams to solve your problems. Is that what you say? The Bentley Flying Spur <laughs> Hybrid, and it has the most amazing massage seat. So I can vouch for that, mm. at least. So yeah, definitely. I mean, look for me. I, I also suffer from um, lower back pain, as I do dealing watches. It seems like <laughs> I can cover all these areas um, with the. Um, the, the advice that I was given from, from the orthopedic person that I saw was just get something with softer suspension. Um, mm. And what you'll find is generally there's two types of cars. There's cars that have the standard shock and spring setup, and then there's the more premium cars that have the air balloon setup. Yep. Uh, so anything that has the air balloon, which is you know Range Rovers, S-Classes, Audi A8s, generally just have a lot softer ride. And that's what you want to be looking out and for. And keep it in the comfort mode. Yeah, and definitely yeah. keep it in the comfort mode. That's the first bit of advice. Second bit of advice is don't, and this is a huge one, bigger than suspension actually, is make sure you've got the right wheels and tires on the car. Because, mm. you know, a lot of people will say, you know, whether it's Audi, I want the S-Line, or if it's Mercedes, I want the AMG. But what happens with these type of cars is you get a much larger rim and a much smaller side profile wall, yes. like 35 yeah. or 40. And you lose a lot of the the suspension bounce. That's why you see yeah. Maybachs and Rolls Royces. They have big, thick, chunky tires because yeah. that has a huge impact on softness, right? So, you know, don't go for the high trims. Go for the basic trims with the basic small wheels and the big fat tires because they're the things that are going to give you comfort, right? Yeah. Even something like a Ford F one fifty from the previous caller. You know, big yeah. fat chunky tires, nice soft suspension. Um, really, that's what, that's 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 the advice I can give you. Anything that handles a speed hump, speed bump at a reasonable speed is exactly. good for your back. Exactly. So <laughs> look at that. Way. I hope that helps you, Mariam. Um, now, as we've got a text here from Fatia uh, asking how much to expect for a Land Cruiser 2007 VX. 
I'd like to buy it for my son. He wants the old model, even though we offered to buy him the new one. What? <laughs> there, there, Only in Dubai. There's a conundrum. <laughs> so uh, the, the Land Cruiser, the new Land Cruiser is massively in demand. Fatty has got one on order or wants to for, for mm-hmm. a son, but he wants the 2007. Wants to know what, what makes the 2007 model so special? So as long as I'm on the right track here, because it was the J100 series, right? So that so, yeah. stopped at the tail end of 2007. So that's the last of a specific shape. And these were like, you know, anyone yeah. who grew up in, in, in Dubai, you know, these were like the staple of like the real Land Cruisers. So and it's more nostalgia. You know, your friend had one. Yeah. You grew up looking around and you always used to see these things on it's the road. It's a cult car, right? It really yeah. is a cult car. And I think it will continue like in terms of buying these, they'll never drop value. They'll just keep on going. Um, then t- late 2007, early 2008, the J200 came out, and that was the facelift. So because you specifically said 2007, I'm thinking you mean last of mm. that old shape. Yeah. And I think it's more like a you know, childhood dream or memory of, of friends yeah. or seeing them at school runs when their friends People had are restoring one them now. There's some really 100%. nice ones around. And, and they're bulletproof as well. I mean, yeah. I've seen these things reach a million kilometers, and they just keep yeah. on going. So, look, it's not a bad thing, Fatia. Um your son sounds like his first car, maybe a new driver, maybe a new driving license. I don't know. But if he's happy to get in a tank like that, I'd be very happy. You know, pocket a couple hundred thousand, you know, let him have a little, his first fair share of, you know, car park dings and bumps in it. And in a couple of years, you can upgrade him. I mean, for me, this is an ideal situation. Sounds like you're not happy with it, but I'd pocket the 200 and give him the other one. Um, in, yeah. th- in terms of price, I'd say maybe 35, 40,000 dirhams, somewhere there. And then whenever you want to upgrade him to the new one when he gets bored, um, you'll get your money back, no problem. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, but also, too, getting the older model, um, getting the older model is uh, it's, it's going to teach him how to drive in the desert probably better because you don't have all the computer work to do it. So You have to do it yourself. Uh, exactly. And to maintain the car, Fadia, he'll, he'll be able to work on it himself and, uh, and, and, and save you a bit more money there as well. So I'm all for getting the 2007 model. And it looks, fa- it looks fantastic. Yeah, definitely, um, definitely. And it's a classic in this region now. Yeah. People are restoring them. You see them out at Leewa. You see them out there. People just love that model car. I totally understand why, he, uh, why he's doing it. So I hope that answers you, Fadia. Um, now, we're going to go to... Andrew on the line. Andrew, good morning. Thanks for listening early on. You've got an answer for us um, about the back and neck issue. Good morning. Well, I certainly hope I've got an answer. <laughs> uh, some, some, of the, some of the suggestions that Bentley get, lovely car, but maybe out of most people's. Um, I drive a Lincoln Aviator. Yes. The top spec has air suspension. Yep. Infinitely adjustable seats, including thigh supports. Wow. Yes. Heated and cooled seats and massage seats, and actually full body massage. Wow. Yeah. And and, and it is like driving a cigar lounge, isn't it? It's it's, it's very, very comfortable. I've not actually driven a cigar lounge. (laughs) I need to put that on the bucket list. Um. Yeah, no, that's actually like that, a, that's actually really good because they they float, they really do float. I mean, the, yeah. the Aviator I had for a while ago as, as a test vehicle, yeah. And, and as again, you know, as you say, as we said before, Andrew, you, you'd agree. You don't even think about speed humps, do you? It just they just disappear under the car. Glide over them, yeah. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no false representation. <laughs> no, no, not not at all. But we'll pass that on. Thanks so much for uh, for your advice on that one, and uh, with. Uh, 
Dr. Naz and Dr. Damien is this morning. (laughs) (laughs) And go speak to Keith at Lincoln. He'll do your deal. Fantastic. We'll do. Thanks very much, Andrew. We'll pass that on. Thank you. There you go. That's what that's what motormania is all about. We're passing on advice from here and there, and and uh, and hopefully, yeah, the neck and back issue will be sorted. Um, now we've got time for another text message. This is from uh, from from Vivek. Very quickly, Toyota Corolla, two thousand and ten, a lot of miles, five hundred and twenty-four thousand wow. kilometers. <laughs> it's been to the moon and back. Yeah, for a Corolla, that's yeah. pretty impressive, to be honest. Yeah, very quickly. What do you think we can give Vivek on this one? Hmm, I'd say around. <sighs> Eight eight thousand dirhams, eight ten thousand yeah. dirhams. I mean, there's there's kind of a floor here in the UAE where you know if a car starts and drives and has AC, yeah, passes the RTA test, it's around ten thousand dirhams. Like that's yeah. the, the, the floor, really, <laughs> isn't it? Like regardless of what it is, I couldn't care less at this point if it's got three hundred or six hundred thousand kilometers. You know, if it passes the RTA, has decent tires. Yeah. 10,000 dirhams, someone's that's, willing to buy a car. It's only, cost of four or five months' rental, you know. It's only 10 pieces of the right paper in your wallet. <laughs> exactly. Hand it over and you exactly. walk away with a car. Uh, look, that's all we've got time for. Thank that you so much quick. to all our callers. Um, it's been a fantastic morning. All those texters who phoned in and we, did, we didn't get to read out your message, don't worry, we'll get onto it for the next show. We do appreciate it. Um, Naz, thanks thanks again. We'll see you next week. It was a pleasure. Any Thank plans you. you've got coming up in the next, uh, next week or so? Uh, not really, just trying to make the most of the last bit I know. of weather just to get some of the cars out because they're going to go into storage for a few months now. It is, it is just getting uh, getting warm. But anyway, that, that, that's all we've got time for, for Fix It or Flip It.